0: Hello, it's Vikas Porta, chairman of the Vaki Foundation. You are listening to a session from our Global Education and Skills Forum, a place where leading politicians, businesses, philanthropists, activists, and of course the world's best teachers share, debate, and discover new ways for education to transform our world. Keep the global conversation going and share your thoughts on the topics discussed with the hashtag GESF.
1: So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going into uh, an an incredible discussion focusing on sub-Saharan Africa. Order, order, order in the room. As we begin the discussion and as I introduce the incredible panel that we have with us, we are still waiting for one panelist, but she will join us as soon as she can. She's heading down uh, from the other building. We have Steve Cumming, who is from the MasterCard Foundation. And I must say, it's fascinating that the foundation is currently doing research on this very issue. And Steve is going to present some of that research to us in just a short while. He's program manager at the foundation. Right next to him, we're very happy to have with us Rosemary Seninde, State Minister for Primary Education for Uganda. Thank you very much for joining us. Right next to her, we have the Minister for Education for Ghana, Matthew Prempeh. Thank you for being here. And right next to me, I have Pamela Ejiro Odebeli, who is founder of the Teenager Entrepreneurship and Engagement Network. Thank you for being with us. So, uh, Let's start, Steve, with context setting. Now, the foundation ha- is, is doing some research currently. The report um, is titled Secondary Education in Africa, Preparing Youth for the Future of Work. It'll be re- released later this year. Take us through the highlights so far, please.
2: Thank you, and, and good afternoon, and, and thanks for this opportunity. Uh, it's a real privilege uh, for me to be on this panel, uh, and we know a number of the colleagues who, uh, who, who have joined us and, and are part of this discussion today. Uh, as some of you may know, MasterCard Foundation is an independent foundation based in Toronto, Canada. Uh, we were established in 2006, following a gift from MasterCard Worldwide at, at the time of their initial public offering. Last year we launched a new strategy called Young Africa Works. The strategy focuses on youth employment on the African continent, which we feel is the single greatest challenge and opportunity facing the continent today. We've set an ambitious goal of enabling 30 million young people, especially young women, to have dignified and meaningful employment by 2030. And the strategy builds on more of a decade of programming and learning experiences and marks two significant changes within the way that we've structured the foundation. The first is the consolidation of all of our programming to work and focus on youth employment and look at opportunities on the supply or human capital side of youth employment the demand for labor, specifically around entrepreneurship and small business development, and the linkage between supply and demand. The second is that we've taken a country-based approach. Traditionally, the foundation has always been focused on Africa, uh, but with the new strategy, we're identifying those countries that we feel have a strong enabling environment for youth employment and coordinating very closely with government, the private sector, young people and civil society to develop country-based strategies. Part of the new strategy is the development of a major research project, which is focused on secondary education in Africa. The report is focuses on secondary education and the future of work, and aims to identify approaches to making relevance. Amina, how are you doing?
1: Well, warm <laughs> welcome to Cabinet Secretary Amina Mohamed from the Republic of Kenya.
2: We'll, we should, we'll welcome you properly. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, So, the, the, the Secondary Education in Africa report looks at the relationship between secondary education and the future of work and aims to identify approaches that make education relevant for youth employment in a dynamic and globalized labor market. The objectives of the report are to envision the future of work in Africa, identify promising policies and innovative programs, serve as a resource for African policymakers, particularly those in government, and identify knowledge gaps and set a forward-looking agenda informed by promising domestic and national policies. And importantly, as you'll hear a little bit later, that the intent is to be a process and not just a final product. We feel that the report comes at a time when there's three major trends converging on the African continent, and the first is demographic. The youth population is set to double by 2050, and we feel that this creates the potential of a demographic dividend and positions Africa as an engine for a future and globalized workforce. The second is economic. While there's been considerable growth across the continent, we know that young people coming into the labor market don't have the opportunity for formal employment that they're looking for, and there's a need to generate small-scale informal employment. And then lastly, education systems. We know that the enrollment in secondary education is set to double by 2030, and the education systems currently are under enormous pressure to adapt to the infrastructure, staffing, curriculum, administration, and policy challenges that go with providing quality, inclusive, and relevant education. As I said before, the approach to this report has been highly consultative. We've engaged African researchers, academics, and policymakers across the continent, including two education ministers from Rwanda and Senegal. We've consulted more than 50 business and industry leaders for their perspective on the relationship between secondary education and the private sector. We just recently finished a consultation of teachers in Ethiopia, and as you'll hear later, we've also engaged young people across the continent who are represented here today. There's a number of emergent learnings that are coming from the report. Uh, I'd like to highlight four that that have kind of come to the top that I think are particularly relevant today, as well as two themes that we've been grappling with as we move from the the research into the the, um, developing key messages and looking to disseminate the report. So we've seen from the research the, the, the importance of developing comprehensive skill strategies that look at the entire education system, not just looking at primary or secondary or TVET or tertiary, but taking a holistic and comprehensive approach. The importance of universalizing basic education extending, and expanding that to lower secondary for the most disadvantaged mm-hmm. to ensure that all young people have access to quality education. And at upper secondary level, looking to, to tie closer the, the needs of the labour market and business to the skills and, and competencies that young people are learning.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And for those that are out of school, look at pathways that bring in either relevant technical and vocational education or other pathways back into formal education to address those the number, high number of young people in many countries that are out of formal education altogether. As we look to consolidate and share some of these themes, We've struggled with the need to balance some of comprehensive reform at a national level with realistic policy, policy options that governments are able to implement, and how do we find the right balance between something that looks at potentially radical reform or ambitious reform with something that's viable and can be implemented uh, in a realistic way. And lastly, the need to balance the rigor of policy recommendations and also identifying new and innovative approaches and the extent to which recommendations that we make are either grounded in evidence, rigorous evidence, or are they something new and innovative which might not have an evidence base behind it? So I think some of these things are highly relevant to the discussion today, and and I'll stop there.
1: Thank you very much. And I think that was very important, setting the context for us. Um, As we move forward on a continent saying that we want to look at data, we want to understand data, we also want to be creative and innovative about solutions. And Amina, just to let you know, we did a bit of a poll before you came in. And and a couple of things that really struck me in that poll, people saying that training teachers and working on teachers is one of the most important things we can do as a continent. Also highlighting the importance of alternative models for those who are either out of school or facing challenging environments. So I want to come to the ministers first here and, and, and your experiences. And I want to tap into what Steve has just told us, the last four things he mentioned. Critical for us on the continent. Comprehensive skills, strategies required, right? Um, Universalizing basic education is critical. So everybody has a standard basic level of education. Closer ties between labor markets and our uh, our education system so people are able to get opportunities when they leave uh, secondary school. And creating pathways. Um, Let me start with the Uganda experience. And I really want to be as direct as possible. It is very challenging. Moving things in government. And looking at these as some of the things that have been highlighted as absolutely critical, what would you add and what support would you need to get your Treasury Ministry, yeah, your Treasury, your, your, your Finance Ministry, and your President and all others working with you to do what is required to make policy change? Please.
3: Okay, first, first and foremost, I would like to thank you very much and also to thank Vaki for this opportunity. And I would like to thank uh, him for the findings that he has actually enumerated. But I want to make it, uh, to give an example of Uganda. For instance, first of all, he has talked about the issue of popul- uh, the youth population. I want to indicate that Uganda has the biggest, uh, the second biggest, uh, the, the second largest youthful population of about 76% uh, youth under the age of 30. So to me and the country, we really believe that in order to have the youth benefit or get uh, something good out of them, because this huge population of the youth can be a huge potential to the Mm sub-Saharan and our countries or can be a problem if we don't help them, if we don't produce good education. And when we talk about the kind of good education that we need to plan for, we need to provide an education system which can provide, can equip our learners with First of all, access good quality education that can give them the ability to think, to think fast and also be creative and innovative and be able to compete in the global world, uh, world of work that really uh, at the end of it, they can be able to benefit themselves and benefit their country. So what we've been able to do as a country, we have actually come up with uh, universal primary education In 1996, we we had uh, an enrollment of about 3 million children at basic education. But in 1997, when we introduced universal primary education, it went up to 5.3 million children. Mm -hmm. That is an increase of about 73%. And to us, that is great because we know very well that without education, all these youth, if they don't go through the system of education, then we may not achieve much. So we introduced universal primary education, we introduced universal secondary education, and of course, we have also come to, the re- we have reviewed our curriculum to match the, the, the world of work in a way that we have decided to look at a curriculum that can not only develop the head, that does not develop the cognitive domain only, but a, a, a curriculum that can be able to develop the hand that can be able to make the children or the learners appreciate themselves and appreciate, be confident, and be able to manage. So
1: is that curriculum support. ongoing, or, or it's, it's actually been implemented? Is, is the curriculum reform ongoing, or it's been implemented? We, yes, we have already, we are starting implementing it. You have started, okay. We are starting it. I'll come back it. to my question on, on pushing for further partnership, collaboration, lobbying within government. Um, let me come to you, Matthew, on your experience in Ghana.
4: Thank you for inviting me to be part of the program. Ghana is doing something on all the four issues. Because when you sit in the Ministry of Education, you cannot pick and choose because every year lost, is lost to a child, every year. So I'm not the believer on snail pace reform because you are afraid to confront issues. Because we are coming from a very bad position. Our constitution, 1992 constitution that still exists, ensures that there's free, compulsory, universal basic education. Mm. That same constitution says that as the economy of the country improves, further levels should be made free. Uh, My party fought three general elections and was given the mandate to govern in 2016 by extending the boundaries of free basic education to cover secondary education uh, and others which I would get there. So when we, came, when we looked at the data, about 30% of all kids who qualified to go to secondary school, and I mean the upper secondary school, could not go because probably they couldn't pay. That lost about 100,000 kids just like that. They were not bad academically. They had even qualified to go. And they were placed in schools, but could not go. So the first thing that we did was to say, as a government, that from henceforth, everybody should go for free, which is very difficult. Because you you hear the middle and upper classes say, oh, if we can pay for it, why are we going to school for free? But the evidence on the ground doesn't show that. So, we decided to open the boundaries of education for everybody mm-hmm. who qualified to go for free, which we have done in two years. In the second year, it was oversubscribed. All the kids realized that if they study and they did well, they, 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 they get to go to school for free. So, we had an enrollment increase of 31%.
1: But also a performance increase.
4: I'll come there.
1: Okay. I'll come there.
4: <laughs> I'll come there. Um, So when I look at the four questions that said invest all the money in school and infrastructure, we couldn't have envisaged an intake in one year of enrollment, 31%. Then we couldn't say then that, oh, these 180,000 kids who all of a sudden have qualified in the second year of your free secondary education stay home. So we had to bring another innovative way of making sure everybody goes to school by doing an all-year-round school instead of three terms and other stay home. So we started an all-year-round school. And frankly speaking, across the wide swaths of the country, uh, it is well taken. Because whose kids should stay home, really? That is the issue. Mm-hmm. So we are into it. But the other chunk was that we want to industrialize as a country. We want to grow our economy. We want our citizens to be productive if we want to achieve these things there's a need to mainstream stem education for both boys and girls and technical and vocational skill and education right. Right. we suffer from poor what do i say poor attitudes towards tvet education so most people who go into tvet think that probably because they couldn't get access to formal education so we should start making tvet education sexy we should start improving the curricula. Yeah. We should start training the teachers to be there for the kids. Start introducing TVET very early in education, probably from upper primary going. And should provide facilities that are commensurate mm-hmm. with where kids want to go first class TVET institutions. Right. And also have a TVET agenda uh, for the whole country. That is what we are trying to do. Okay. So that the skill. Just I was telling my sister here that three weeks ago, all the universities met, had a conference for three days to talk about graduate employability. It's to really bring the lecturers and the professors' attention the fact that you are just not training people for training's sake. You are training people for the world of work. Absolutely. So you have to find out how many of the people who have passed through your university get gainful employment, like where are they?
1: Absolutely. So tracking and, 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 and measuring, what's working, what's tracking, not working. Tracking, measuring,
4: evaluation. And right. also, in the developed countries, you suffer when you go look for money for TVET. That, oh, uh, TVET, you have to do the industrial needs, so uh, the people should have some time in the industry. Yes, but we are caught in a catch-22 situation. Uh-huh. We don't have those industries. So I, as a minister of education and in charge of TVET, should start trading people for the industry we that so exist.
1: desire.
4: No, that we so desire.
1: Okay, looking forward, looking yes. forward. Okay, I'll come back to you. And Amina, you, I'm sure this reflects for you. You're hearing a lot of things and thinking, same experience. Yes. Um, can yes. I just say yesterday in the session with Obasanjo, he told us that Dangote was recruiting for a driver, and several of those applications were PhDs and it's heartbreaking. So Amina, let me bring it to you now. Um, with these realities, what's your perspective been and how does Africa just break the mold, move forward and say, we can reform and change things to make sure these young people have opportunities?
5: Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's really nice to see you, Pina. <laughs> uh, we've been working together quite closely, so, right. <laughs> so I'm, really, I'm, I'm really happy about the, the study that you're carrying out and I can't wait for this research findings to actually uh, uh, be published, right, and, uh, and and launched, and I hope we'll all get um, uh, get a copy of that. Look, we're all doing the same thing, I think, across the continent, because we've realised, right, uh, that uh, in order for us to industrialise, and I think it's the key word, right, that we will need skills, we will need knowledge, and we will need competences. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that if we have just one of those, then it's not enough. Okay, so we've done, you know, very much what everybody else has done. Um, we've probably taken the next step. Which is um, uh, to try and change that mindset around TIVETS, right? Uh, by actually promising jobs that we may not have yet, but promising jobs within six months of leaving a TVET, right? right? Uh, we are working on an internship program, right? And we are working with different partners on it. Um, and the idea is to, to actually prove, right, that um, uh, for us to move forward. Uh, it's just not about acquiring a degree mm-hmm. right uh, in any case i think evidence is shown that 70% of those that leave universities do not find jobs in the first 5 years mm-hmm. right? so for 5 years you are either applying to be a driver right or ap- applying to to be a, a you know security a, guard a, a clerk right clerk. and so so basically you've lost many years mm-hmm. Of, of, of your life, very important years, right? Years that you should be productive. You're very energetic, you're passionate, and you can get committed to, to what you're doing. So what we're saying is this, after secondary school, and I like that, uh, you know, the, 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 the term that you've called, that this has to be the bridge, right, mm-hmm. to the workspace. Mm-hmm. Secondary school must be the bridge to the workplace. So by the time learners leave secondary school, they should actually be prepared for different pathways. They should be able to choose what pathway they'd like to go on. Uh, but in order to prepare them, right, we actually need to show them the importance right, of, uh, of acquiring skills and competencies. Uh, and, and so maybe we started the competence-based uh, curriculum a little late. We should probably have started it earlier uh, than we're doing yeah? uh, Because that's what will show the importance of actually developing these skills, these competencies that will allow you to follow a pathway of passion, actually, right, right? what you're really good at. Um, and, and so in Kenya, we have, uh, you know, you probably know, we have a TIVET almost in every constituency, so over 290 of them. Mm-hmm. We have 11 polytechnics, right, and we have, we have other technical institutions. Um, when, when, uh, last year when I came into, into office, into the ministry, we had less than 80,000 in the TIVETs. We did a lot of work, um, including, basically, recruiting artists in Kenya, young artists, right, who would then go and convince young people that this should be a destination of choice, a school of choice, mm-hmm. right, um, training of choice. And we're able to double the figure. Right? We have about 200,000 now that are in vets and we hope by the end of this year to have almost a million. Okay. And so I think we have, we have shown the importance of this. We have also been able to convince many parents uh, that it's the pathway. Uh, now, what, what used to happen in Kenya, and I think it happened in Ghana and Uganda as well, is that it was cheaper to go to university than to attain it. It was cheaper to go to university because universities were basically free. Right? Or funded. Yeah. Uh, funded by government. Yes. Right? So okay. funded by government. But TIVETS had to be funded by parents. Mm-hmm. So just imagine this parent who thinks is getting second rate um, education, right, for their child, which they have to pay for. Right? So obviously everybody encouraged their child to go to university. University. So what we have done is provide the funding for the Tibet. Yes. So that now,
1: right, to go to a TVET, you don't have to pay a penny. Yes, so in, in Kenya, that training is actually funded by government. Can, can I just say, I'm coming to the youth voice now, and I, I just want to say we did a few videos actually in, in league with the ministry to tap into what people thought about TIVIT and found young people are open to any avenue to earning a living. It is the older generation. It is the parents who have been a huge hindrance. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong, so let me come to the master and the one who will tell us what the youth perspective is. I understand you've been engaging quite widely with young people, and, and you here are the voice of many across the continent. When we talk about secondary education, when we talk about bridges, pathways, skills, competencies, what's important to young people, and what are they telling us? Okay,
6: so. First of all, I would like to say that if sub saharan Africa will be successful in the fourth industrial revolution, we have to look into our resource, our most powerful resource, and that is the young people, the people. Because it's common knowledge that we obviously have, and we're going to have the largest number of young people in the coming years. So if organizations like Facebook, Google, Microsoft are coming into Africa, teaching these young ones, preparing them for the wave. That is to tell you that there's actually something they are seeing, and that is why they are coming. Now, if that is so, I think our policymakers also have to look back and look into it so that we do not have to consume other people's outputs but we have to consume what we have produced ourselves. We have actually consumed enough as Africa, but then we need to start producing ourselves and consuming ourselves because if we do that, we are going to focus on our own problems, solve our own problems that we know by ourselves. And so now you meet a lot of young people, they keep complaining now, complaining about the, the level of education, and I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk now on teacher training. You know, knowledge evolves. Knowledge is not static. Education should not be static, it should change. Now we bring excellent policies most of the time, we bring excellent ideas to the school, we try to change the system. I'll take Nigeria for an example that they did the S334 system, and where you have to focus on vocational education on the third level, that's the junior secondary school level. It's like a compulsory technical vocational education system, but then they bring equipment to the schools that are funded, government the infrastructures are all there, and they are not in use because the educators, the trainers do not know how to use this equipment. So what is the need? Now, you meet a lot of young people, they tell you, okay, we should improve digital skills, but then why should I go to school when my teacher doesn't know what to do? I shouldn't listen to a trainer that doesn't understand where I'm going to. There was a time when we went to teach Introduction to Coding during the African Code Week, and we got to the school. There was a computer lab fully equipped in the school. But the computer teacher was teaching computer with a textbook in the classroom. Yeah. And you see, this is like wasted money, wasted effort. Nobody is gaining. The young people are not gaining. The government is not gaining. The economy is not gaining. At the end, we will fall back to where we've been in poverty, and lack of growth. But then now the young people are saying, this is what we want. We want you to develop develop both the skills and you should develop also our normal numerical and analytical um, way of education. Because if we do that, and we're able to bring something like entrepreneurship, and when we talk of entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship is not just business. It goes way beyond your normal buying and selling. It is actually doing the other levels in preparing someone for a business. Like you have to talk on human resource. You have to talk on funding. You have to talk on profit-making. Entrepreneurship is large. If we teach our children entrepreneurship, if we actually teach them critical thinking, complex problem-solving skills, if we do that, we're able to think and solve problems that concerns Africa for ourselves. We're able to think for ourselves and not others thinking for us and solving problems that do not concern us. So on entrepreneurship, if we're able to do that, we would see that young people now have the ability to become job makers and not job seekers. And it obviously reduces the issue of unemployment that the government is trying to reduce. We can also, for those in the grassroots, one last thing, for those in the grassroots that do not have access to everyday education, something I think they can do is developing knowledge hubs in different communities. It's like a place where everybody that has skill, that has knowledge, can go into, and you, you can also go into meet with like minds, discuss, innovate, and the society is better for it. Thank you. Can we give yes.
1: Yes. Amazing. And you see, this is the power of the voice of young people in Africa. They will be, you know, they will be the most important factor in transforming this continent for the better if we just get it right. Steve, I'm going to come back to the ministers and then to you after. Um, having heard that impassioned contribution, right, having shared what you are already doing uh, I put it to you all that the challenge is immense. And although we are walking and moving forward, we need to be running. And we need to work together to run. And so as policymakers, I want you to tell us, we maybe have different stakeholders in this room. We have foundations, we have you know, uh, uh, NGOs, we have development world, um, we have uh, government with us. How do we help you to run? Because we need you to put the policies in place that enable us to unlock (coughs) the potential. How do we help you run, Matthew? Hmm. So much more needs to happen to get everything she pointed at in place. How do we run?
4: Listening attentively to my sister, uh, I got only one thing. The impatience of the youth, because we are not developing them. And if we don't, we'll hear more of my sister's cry.
1: But is that all you got? Is that all you got yes. from you? <laughs> In the, in
4: the sense that, that in the, I'll give you one. In essence, she went into a school. The policymakers had provided their thing, but there was no teacher to teach. Didn't so, you? Or the teacher who was even teaching was worse than the kids who were probably <laughs> learning. Absolutely. So it's not different from the results we got. We have to invest in the teachers. Yes.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: And if we forget that, so like I want, I want for our TVET agenda, I'll give you an example. Right. For our TVET agenda, we've converted, a, we've had, created a university specifically with one college of education in every region of the country to only train TVET teachers. Because if you're going to do TVET in the junior high schools, you have to have teachers there can use the equipment. Mm. And what she said, I went into a whole technical university that had been retooled, that there was nobody there to use the equipment. So investing, again, in the human resource to enhance our capacity and our capability, it's key. Because if Microsoft comes, if Facebook comes, and now the danger is that these big organizations are creating very, very myopic uh, uh, programs to suit their agenda. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Yes. Uh, so Microsoft
4: has its own digital skills agenda. Google has yeah. it. Yeah. I, I, IBM has it. No, we have to train the child to be adaptable and flexible. The mm-hmm. B- basic okay. knowledge that he or she can develop further depending upon where he or she wants to go. Okay, so so I, I hear my sister clearly, and we, we, we have to do more as makers. We must run. Uh, r- I know, maybe fly.
1: Okay, fly. (laughs) Even better. Rosemary, I come to you. And really, how do we enable you to fly? And do you feel the urgency? How can we achieve the change that we need in policy to drive all the growth that is required? Yes, thank you very
3: much. Uh, One of the things that I think we have to do, first and foremost, is, for instance, involve every stakeholder in uh, and make the stakeholders appreciate the importance of the change that we need. I want to give an example. In Uganda, we came up with a scaling Uganda program where we have set up institutions, debate institutions in every county in the country. But you you find that a, a an institution with a capacity of about 600 learners or students has got about 100 only. And we have been trying to find out where the problem is. And we discovered the problem is the attitude, the attitude of the young people, the attitude of the, the parents, so now we are working around that to make sure that people appreciate the importance of vocational education. But having said that, I think it is also important for all of us to appreciate that if we have to come if we have to come up with very good policies, we must analyze the economic needs of our countries. Right. Because if we do so, we shall be able to gear g- our policies towards achievement of our
5: Objectives. And can I just say, you know, I think, I think, look, I think that uh, everything we are doing, uh, all the policies we are trying to put in place, right, all the institutions that we are trying to beef up, we are doing all that for this generation, right. And and so I think it's critical that uh, they become the drivers, right, rather than uh, the critics, right, of policies that come up. And so it's really, really important. And and I think that they shouldn't just speak out. You know, when we are sitting around... They should be part of they the policy-making? part of it. They should actually be courageous enough to speak out and say, listen, the policy that you have developed, right, is not suitable for us. Yeah, We want to be part of this conversation. They must be around the table. Otherwise, we'll always fall short. Right? Because they're able to see things that I may not be able to see. Okay? And the world that we are creating, we are creating for them. The jobs that we are trying to, uh, to you know, to are theirs, right? So they they actually need to be part of the conversation.
1: They also need to be the drivers. Two two questions. Number one, are they given opportunity to sit... Because this is the thing about Africa, right? Young people are the majority, but so often they're left out of the room. Do they get enough of an opportunity to... Well, you know that in Kenya, you, you basically cannot put any policy forward
5: unless there's complete participation by the youth and by all the other Uh, you know, stakeholders, which is a word I don't like using, by the way, because I don't think they're stakeholders. But, uh, you know, we we actually cannot even enact a law unless the youth, right, that are the majority in all our countries, whether it's at 80% or 70% or 65%, are
7: part
1: of the conversation, right? So very important to listen to that. And, you know, a call is made through media asking stakeholders to come and contribute their views. And how many young people do you think turn up? That's the problem, actually. That's the Very that's often they're not there, few. right? So okay, So is that the point you're making? Yes. Be present. And maybe this is not the situation Driving. in all African countries. Right. I'm coming back to you right. for your feedback just now. Another thing I will say to all the policymakers, and this is important to note, TIVET institutions will be successful when young people see other young people getting jobs. That is the best advertisement for TIVET. So it's got to work. To bring the 600 in, so that's critical. And also
5: make it not just a center of learning, but also a center of production, okay. because those are the linkages that we are trying to create, right? Uh, so that you teach, but you also produce. You have actually production lines in the Tibets right? And uh, you can only do that if you fully involve the
1: private sector. Of course. Okay, come in, please. Your thoughts on the idea that maybe young people, um, even when they have a chance to contribute, are simply not seated at not taking their seat at the table. Jump in, jump in. I, I
6: wouldn't agree with that. <laughs> and I think a lot of young persons, if they are here, would not agree with that. If we are given the opportunity, we speak. And I've happened to do a lot of surveys with young people consigning this issue before we actually came up. And they are talking. We have videos. We have um, WhatsApp group messages about this. And the young people are actually talking that this is what we want. Well, we are not in government yet to be able to talk from the side of policy makers. But if we are given that opportunity, we certainly will speak our minds as young people. And also, I, I, I let me talk of my country, Nigeria. Now let me come down to Nigeria. Maybe I'm not too familiar. There are a lot of wonderful policies that come up in Africa. Okay, in Nigeria, for example, there are a lot of wonderful policies that come up. But along the way, you see corruption actually truncating the policy. You have the issue of free, basic, um, secondary education. Now, everybody knows it's free. You should go to school for free. But then, the government feels this um, education is free, so every child should be in school. But when you go to school, the teachers now collect money from the students. And they call it exam fees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is corruption. So, so and now, a- there's a bridge somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the policy is there, but it's not been. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that really- Do
4: You have the exam it's- fee problem.
1: <laughs> I but then I, have you, know it, I you know it. You know it. You know it. Steve, let me come to you, and then I want to try to come to the floor. Yes, I'm going to try. So, Steve, you know it's a vibrant discussion. You know this. There's also a little bit of a balance that we need to achieve between um, creating a new pathway that is realistic, relevant, pertinent. And also being ambitious enough to think of the future of work and the next steps without, you know, falling over ourselves. (laughs) How do we achieve that balance?
2: (laughs) That's why I came here to ask. (laughs) That's right. Um, I I think. I mean, that's really something that we're that we're trying to to figure out as part of this report and its dissemination. But I think you can hear very clearly a, a couple of key themes from this discussion. One, how advanced. Uh, uh, a lot of the policy discussions are in particular countries. So you hear that a, a competency-based framework has been has been pursued. There's a, a one district one factory policy that's being rolled out. There's each country has a particular policy environment, where this where elements of this report or elements of this knowledge product might be relevant. You also hear, I think, um, how quickly in discussions about the labor market and youth employment. Uh, the focus becomes TVET and, and tertiary. And, okay. and in actual fact, it's young people who aren't in the formal education system mm-hmm. or coming from secondary who are going to have, uh, are going to be the numbers that are coming into the labor market. The actual the TVET graduation rates Um, are are often far lower than what's coming out of secondary or the even Mm -hmm. greater populations of young people who who don't have access to formal education. So how can you start to take some of those debates and some of those tools and integrate that within the secondary level, especially upper secondary, and look for ways that that, uh, don't take away from some of the Mm -hmm. fundamental skills of literacy and numeracy, uh, but do look to draw a closer bridge on the policy side. And then I think one of the things that we're able to do as a philanthropic entity Mm -hmm. Well, two things. One is we're able to help convene and and work with all of these different groups of stakeholders. So whether it's bringing young people, industry, government together and and trying to facilitate and broker discussions and move these types of um, uh, discussions forward. Uh, And and the second piece is then we, we are also in a very fortunate position that we can invest behind the recommendations that we see fit. And we have deep relationships with with the countries that are represented here. Uh, We have strong partnerships. And we will look to see the extent to which that we're able to take the recommendations and then put put financing and support behind them as well. Thank you. I, I, I do think it's, it's so emblematic of how advanced and, and how passionate these debates are in each particular right. country and where, where there might be a role for us to support uh, and be in service to, to further some of those discussions.
1: Thank you for that. And just for those of you who do not know, uh, MasterCard Foundation is almost exclusively focused on Africa and on young Africans, literally 99% of it's focus, maybe right now, it's really... So this is a big agenda, and, and, and it's important to know that. Um, I wanna come around the room, but I don't want questions. I want contributions, right? Substantive contributions on what's the way forward? What are the suggestions? How can we support policy change that works for Africa? That's what I want to hear um, uh, from, from as, uh, yeah, as many as we can take. I'll start with the gentleman here, then I'll... I'll go to the lady over there in the green. Thank
8: you. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, the answer is simple. I'm from Nigeria, one of the global teacher finalists. Oh. The answer is so simple. She has said a lot. Our minister is supposed to be here. That's the story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> Until we leave politics. Out of education, yes, continue to struggle.
1: Thank you, thank you. We can give that a round of applause. Let's go to the lady Thank you very much. No, so. Says, Until we leave politics out of education, we shall continue to struggle. Please go ahead. Yes. Hello, uh, good afternoon. Um, I'm mentoring a project in northern Nigeria. So, uh, I'm like, oh, actually, she's okay. heart. Okay. um, I was wondering, or since ever I started this project, um, I'm wondering. Why the education system always focuses on skills that are actually needed in the West, and it's not uh, the skills that are needed mm-hmm. to actually build um, rural societies or rural um, areas in in Africa, because all the education, um, the the schools also provided by the governments, are focusing, for instance, on English language, but they're not um, teaching uh, the traditional rural languages, and they are not teaching any skills that are actually helping the, uh, the children uh, to support the families there. So they are finishing their schools, and then where?
3: They will go out.
1: So, so the answer to us is that we must start focusing on the issues at hand, the challenges at hand, yeah, the right. needs at yeah. hand. Yeah. And yesterday in our session uh, with former President Obasanjo, we agreed that cultural education yeah. is as important as formal education. Can we get an amen? Okay. <laughs> <Yes>. okay. <laughs> I will take the lady over here and I'll take the gentleman here. Thank
7: you. Okay, thank you everyone. My name is Joy Alemsin. I'm in Nigerian but based in the UK. I'm a qualified teacher of. Here we are. That's wrong, in not it? <laughs> anyway, um, what, I, what I want to say is a recommendation for the governments of Africa in terms of improving the quality of education. In the UK, we have a program where, at the beginning of every academic year, data are emac for teacher professional development. This teacher teacher professional development is um, ingrained into every school's calendar. Mm -hmm. Teachers are trained from time to time on new policies, new policy implementation, um, on new skills, new pedagogies, new techniques, new strategies, so that teachers are fortified to face the children in the classroom with the latest and relevant skills. Now, I have been trying to transfer these skills to Nigeria, first of all, until I realized that African teachers within my little corner of London southeast also have the same desire to transfer their skills and expertise to Africa. So we formed a small organization, UKAPES. So what we do is during our half-terms and six-week holidays, we go to West Africa. Personally, I've been to just three, Nigeria, Ghana, Nigeria, Sierra Leone, and Guinea Conakry. And we've been trying very hard to... Put these workshops together. We've been trying to engage with governments and other stakeholders. It's been very difficult. Thank
1: you. you. What I'm saying
7: is please, governments, ministers of education, try and institutionalize this in your provision. Thank you. We want teachers to be skilled. We're tired of the talk and chalk. We're tired (laughs) of the traditional methods of teaching. We want them to be exposed. We want them to think about equity. We want teachers to be skilled to a certain standard thank so you. please think about that thank you very much
1: thank you thank you very very much I think if this was implemented as a policy that teachers must undergo retraining at periodic times to, to stay qualified this would be a game changer this for the
0: continent crazy. thank you uh, thank you thank you so much uh, mine is um, Actually, I'd like to say I sympathize with the ministers of education that are around. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> really, I have been a minister myself. Are minister you with of, a, minister? a minister? Yes, okay. I, I used to be a minister, of the, <laughs> okay. but I can tell you, there are two issues they are facing. Uh-huh. One is the numbers. As Steve put it out correctly, population keeps growing, especially the youth. So that's a big problem for education. The second is the scarcity of resources. Mm-hmm. you will never get the right budget. Mm. That's why I, I, my thinking was, Maybe we need to innovate much better, because mm-hmm. when we talk about infrastructure, we are only looking at the classical school. No. If we are looking at classical school, yeah. it will never happen. We will never meet the demand that we see of yes, the young so. people going to education. Yes, so, so. What kind of innovation? One, we have our communities, no. we have no. private no. sector no. people. Why don't we push them? Why don't we put up policies that can actually create a conducive environment for Mm -hmm. other stakeholders to engage in education and particularly skills? Mm -hmm. That's one important area we need to consider. Otherwise, government alone cannot do it. Second. Okay. In terms of-
1: In in 10 seconds, literally. 10 seconds. No, resources,
0: resources. Okay. The issue that I see is the demand side. We keep talking about private sector. We haven't been able to bring private sector, invest in education. Africa government alone cannot make it, especially talking about skills. How do we incentivize the private sector? How do they support training and skills to provide the kind of really uh, young you. people that need
1: can, really can, can I, can I Can I speak uh, as somebody who brings a lot of stakeholders together? On behalf of the private sector, nobody wants to partner with you more because private sector need people who are well-skilled, who are professional to drive their, their industries. So they will work with you. I think it's really about how you collaborate. Um, that's the important thing. I'll take your hand was up first, I think, and then I'll take one on this side as well. Thank Good.
2: you. Thank
6: you. Um, just two recommendations for the government. Um, we've talked about opportunity. We've talked a lot about policy. Um, one recommendation is for youth. One thing to give them an opportunity, but it's to give them access, especially for rural youth where voices aren't being heard. The second thing is um, for teachers, maybe we should change the narrative around teaching and for teachers and encourage these young people to go into teaching Right. when we're building these
1: institutions. That's a new start, a new perspective. Thank you very much. I'm coming that way, don't worry.
0: Thank you. My name is Herman Kruijer from Edukans in the Netherlands. Uh, And uh, following up to what you are saying, um, I was uh, really inspired what uh, the Minister of Education said. Uh, bringing uh, TFET already to uh, junior high schools and even to primary schools. Yes. And I also have noticed that already in your policy it's there, the interest, in increasing the interest of young people to do so. Mm. But then, and that's not just about money, but it's also about giving opportunity and it should be also timetabled in regular curriculum. Only then it will be sustainable and of course you have to train teachers as well.
1: Thank you very much, thank you. And the final comment, because I've been told my time is up.
8: Thank you so much, two things for me. Isamatov from Uganda, (laughs) Estini Kamuli. Two things for me. One, we had started off well, I mean as sub-Saharan Africa. We had made education a broad discussion and placed it in context. Uh Now we seem to be losing that focus. Now we are compartmentalizing the issues. So now some people are speaking entrepreneurship, Some, I think we need to look at it holistically. You are not going only to reform sections of education. You are going to reform the entire education sector, create linkages, look at the policy framework, look at the human resource, look at the curriculum, create a whole holistic approach. And that's what other countries that are succeeding in this sector are doing. Uh, for example, what is the relationship between education, reforms we want, and say the ease of doing business? Hmm. How come that the ease of doing business in our countries is getting worse hmm. off? And what is the relationship between that and mobilizing additional resources? Lastly, okay. uh-huh. my sister speaking about younger people. Yes. I was a chairman of Uganda Youth Network. Four years. I was actually executive director before. It's the leading youth NGO in the country. Before I retired, it was. Mr.
1: Juma, you are a consummate politician. For
8: (laughs) for younger people, thank you for the work you are doing. You need to do more. We have discovered there are four issues you must look at.
1: You have 30 seconds to articulate them.
8: Institutions, Uh leadership, Uh programs, Uh and resources. Well done.
1: Thank you. Okay. Thank you all for your contributions. We are finishing the session with a final word from all our panelists. But first, I want us to very quickly do the poll again. We've had a discussion here. So we want to see, have the sentiments changed, or are they the same? Go back to the polls on your app. And question number one, remember what changes can be made to curricula to impart the skills required for economic transformation and the fourth industrial revolution. Vote on that. Number two. What are the most effective ways to ensure access to secondary education, especially for vulnerable and marginalized groups? Vote on that. Number three, how can education ministries prepare themselves for education reform? Please cast your vote. And number four, where should education ministries prioritize their investment in the coming years? Please vote. Is everybody ready? Can we look at the new results? No. I will tap in now to to the results. And it may change as you continue to vote, but let's go go to question number one. And there we have it on the screen. So what changes can be made to curricula to impart the skills required for economic transformation in the fourth industrial revolution? 58% promote entrepreneurship training and skill development to create job makers, not job seekers. A round of applause for everybody who's cast their vote. Thank you very much. Let's go to number two and see what the thoughts are on this one. What are the most effective ways to ensure access to secondary education, especially for vulnerable and marginalized groups? Alternative education models that focus on out-of-school youth. Very, very good. Thank you for that. It didn't change. Fantastic. Still remains important, but free universal secondary education still there also at 30%. Let's go to number three now. How can education ministries prepare themselves for educational reform? 65% increase the number and capabilities of good. teachers to implement curricula and pedag- pedagogy reform. Uh, very, very good. Let's give that a round of applause as well. And so I know what the aunt's top answer for number four is. Let's have a look at number four now. I don't think it's changed. Yes, increase the number of capabilities of teachers to implement curricula and... Oh, no, sorry, there's a slight mistake there. Let me read the question. Where should education ministries prioritize their investment in the coming years? Teachers, 65%. We will... Can I just, on behalf of the organizers, request that these results please be sent out to our key stakeholders and especially to our ministries? I want a final word from each of us, and I will end with the ministers. I will start, Steve, with you, and then Pamela come to the youth voice on this. No, I'm going to end with the youth voice. Steve, as we as we close, please give us a parting shot. Way forward.
2: Well, I think I, I'd just like to extend my thanks to, we, we've worked very closely with representatives from, from all of the governments represented here, and, and also with, with uh, former minister Albert and in, in, in his role in, in the Rwandan government. And I think that uh, by trying to understand and listen to the needs that are posed by, by governments and understanding their priorities, we're able to, to, to adapt our strategies and, and focus our investment. And the intent is to use the findings of this report to continue to convene and, and integrate the voices of young people in industry to see how we can make uh, change at the secondary school level, prepare and, and support policies that uh, help young people as they transition into the labor market, and ultimately ensure that young people are being more productively employed and finding meaningful and dignified work.
1: Thank you so much. Um, Matthew, please, your final words.
4: I, I would say that. Going through the four questions you asked, Mm -hmm. there's no single minister, realistically, who can stick to only one of the answers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because yes, we have to invest in teachers, but we have to provide the school infrastructure. So for us as ministers, we have to think through all that. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's true to prioritize. Mm -hmm. But when you go to a community where there's no school, and there's no uh, housing for the teacher, uh, and it's rural, uh, and it's off, Uh, the teacher needs life. Mm. When you put that teacher to that school, he has to also economically improve his own being. And that's why we have teachers moving out of the system a lot. So as ministers of education, as policy makers, we have to think through it holistically and tackle all of them probably with other of priority. But we have to do all. And I think African youth are not waiting for us. The
1: the issue is you must do it. That's the bottom line. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Please go ahead.
3: Yeah, in addition to what uh, to what has been said, I want to add that culture, our culture, our African culture has been lost within the modern world. So to me on top of western elements in curricula including ICT, I want to add that uh, to add that African ideologies must be included in our curricula to be relevant to our people for an integrated, prosperous and peaceful Africa driven by its own people within a dynamic, I mean, with a dynamic force in the international arena. Thank you. So I think we need to remember that it is important to design our curricula based on what will benefit our people.
1: Thank you in very, very much. Amina, your final word.
5: I, I, I agree with what uh, the minister from, from Ghana has said and the minister from, from Uganda. We must be comprehensive, right? Um, we are told we must be dynamic; that nothing is static, right? And I, I believe that the findings are good for today. Right? We must today focus on teacher training, on professional development, right, of our teachers. I don't think that this will be; it will be the same, right, tomorrow and the day after. So we must remember right. that everything we do. Uh, the minister has used the words resilient, flexible, and sustainable, and I think those are the, those should be the keywords. in addressing anything that we do,
1: including education. Resilient, flexible, and Sustainable. sustainable. Come to Pamela for the final word. You know, Pamela, I look at my children, and in so many ways, they are faster than me. They are smarter than me. They are more driven than me. And we have to understand that we live in a world that's fast changing, faster than ever before. Give us a final word as we go out there to try to confront this challenge of opportunity, skills, and education in sub-Saharan Africa. What do you leave us with? Okay, I would love
6: to tell the policymakers Sam um, thank you for listening to me because you're listening to a whole lot of young people and I want to implore us to please work with the MasterCard Foundation on this research because they are talking with a lot of young people on these and please it's something I should be working on. And I would love to say this that we are not rushing you people. We know you are trying. We need it.
2: We need
6: it. Please we rush need it. them. We know you're trying very well. but well, we need change. And please listen to us, we are not just talking, we are pained, and we are talking also because of our own children. If we don't get it right, we will never get it right. If we don't try to do something from now, we will keep going worse, we will keep getting worse, and at the end, it will be chaos. So please, if you don't want wars, if you don't want troubles, if you don't want fightings, if you want to live in peace, because if we are not well equipped, if we are not taking care, we'll carry guns. We'll disturb you people as well. We want to boot you out, but
7: we don't want that. So
1: listen to us, please. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. As we close this session, we have been told, if we do not want wars, can we please fix this issue? And I'll I'll just leave us with with an African proverb. Uh, It's it's, it's a strange one, but it says, you know, the leopard is chasing us, and you are asking me, is it male or is it female? (laughs) That's what we do sometimes. And we need to just fly, not even run, we need to fly. Thank you so much. Big round of applause.